Our scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. You might recognize this from the choir anthem this morning. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I almost want to read that twice because it's so good. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The word of the Lord. So for the next few weeks, we are finishing up a sermon series on really the five essentials of the church. And we have finished the five. For five straight weeks before today, we talked about uh, the five. And in a few minutes, there'll be a review of the five essentials that we are going to make sure that we take with us on our journeys into the future. Today, we really focus on something very simple, but very, very important. If we are to journey into the future, who is God going to provide to go with us on the journey? Who's going to be there? Are you going to be there? Am I going to be there? Are the rest of us going to be there? What about others on the journey? And there's a lot of work associated with this journey we've talked about. There's the proclaiming of the gospel of Jesus. There's the serving, the needs around us. And oh my Lord, the needs in our world and our community, they're so great. What about the teachers that are needed for us to learn and to grow in the church? And how about the encouragement of one another? Who will do that? And then finally, what about worship? How will that continue? Who will sing? Who will lead our singing? Who will we invite to worship? The list goes on and on and on, and it comes down to people. Before we even get into the details of the sermon, I want to reassure you. God will provide the people. God will provide the people. That's really what this text in Ephesians is all about. But I want to start our consideration of this. Uh, we've been talking about the, being a part of the church as a journey related to our own travels, whether that's uh, a driving trip with our family across state lines or whether we take an airplane uh, across the seas to have that trip of a lifetime, or, or maybe it's spend a week on a cruise. We are on a journey 
traveling together in the church, we've emphasized the excitement and the exhilaration of travel. What we haven't mentioned yet are the dangers associated with travel, the challenges. So, so here's an example, and I say this rather lightheartedly, but when I think about it, it makes me really scared. Um, so uh, on a trip that uh, my wife and I were on, in, we were going to Europe. At that time, we were staying at an Airbnb in Amsterdam. And it was, it was a beautiful place to stay in a very nice neighborhood. Well, we had to catch a flight. We were actually taking a flight to the Holy Land, to, 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 from Amsterdam to Tel Aviv, Israel. And it was early in the morning before anyone got up. It was like four o'clock, something like that in the morning. Still dark out. We got ready, everything. Well, there was something peculiar about this particular place that we stayed. You see, you had to have the key to the apartment. The apartment was up a flight of interior stairs, and you had to have the key with you to get out of the door at the bottom and go out onto the street. So it's really important you understand that fact. Okay, so normally, right, we have this thing called a fire code where you have to be able to get out of a building without a key. This building, you had to have a key to get out of the building in addition to get in. Okay, so what do you do with an Airbnb when you just leave early in the morning? You leave the key in the apartment. You're tracking. So what I can do is I can assure you that literally right before we let the, would have let the door shut behind us, it occurred to us, that was the Holy Spirit, <laughs> occurred to us that, whoa, we need that key to get out of this staircase. We came that close to being locked in a staircase in Amsterdam, probably not to be found. We would have missed our flight for sure, but we might not have been found for probably 10 hours. Yes, that was scary. So that was, that's an example, lighthearted but real, um, of, of a challenge or a, a danger that you might encounter in traveling. Now, the dangers range from something just small, like the thing that happened literally, literally 30 seconds after we exited that door, one of the wheels on my roller bag broke. So I went that whole day, and actually, truth be told, the rest of our entire trip on a roller bag without one of its wheels. Um, I was stubborn. That's another thing that can happen, very lighthearted. But when you think about the, the great stories, like the disaster stories, think about the, the most iconic story of the 20th century of a disaster the Titanic. That was travel. Those were people who were on an adventure, and then that happened. Think about Jesus' teaching, the most memorable, one of the most memorable stories, perhaps the most memorable story Jesus ever told. The story of a man who was traveling, and he got robbed. That happens in the world today. It happened in the world back then. 
traveling can be a dangerous thing. And so a man got robbed, and then some people came by, didn't help him, but a Samaritan came by, helped him. That's the story of the Good Samaritan. So there are dangers. In our text today, we're not going to emphasize and really dig into the dangers, but I want to start out by reminding us of what is in this text in, verses four, in verse 14. The Apostle Paul says, there will, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. There are two travel-related metaphors being used right here. One, from that time and that place on the globe, the main means of travel was travel by boat. And so, this image of being blown by the waves, blown out of control, perhaps into shipwreck or worse, is an image that Paul is using and he's saying, basically, that the thing I've just told you about will keep this from happening to you. You're going to be equipped to manage that danger. There's also, he speaks of actual people who might be out there to do us harm. The cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. It's similar to maybe someone who would want to take advantage of us. And maybe take our money, or worse. So we need people to help. We need resources. We need people who will pave the way before us to help us know that this is a safe way to travel. And if you think about it, we rarely travel without these helpful tools or helpful people who have paved the way. Think about going hiking. How many of us, when we go hiking, just start walking through the forest with our machete and just start clearing a path for ourselves? Most of us drive to a trailhead right? It's a place that's cleared out that's recognizable as the place where there's a trailhead. How do we even know the trailhead's there? We've probably done some research, or someone who's gone before has told us that it's there. Then there's a trail. You know, I was reminded, there, there's actually a member of our church who, who a few years ago uh, was actively involved in a local community in Snohomish County that did upkeep on trails. The trails just didn't appear. That, that's a real... A, a real pro tip on like God's creation, God actually didn't create the trails. God created people who used their God-given uh, ingenuity and all of that to create trails that we could, could be. So they are God's servants in doing that. But there are, there's maintenance on the trail. Sometimes there's a, there's a washout or a rock fall across a trail and someone helps to clear those. There are signposts along the way, but also information about dangers. In, and even information about, like, relate your abilities to the types of abilities that would be required if you tried to go on that trail. How about driving? Do some of you remember back to the years of the AAA triptych? 
You know, back when, you know, one of the, the great dangers um, in travel for most of humankind throughout history, and it still is a danger, um, is getting lost. Getting lost. But more important than getting lost is, is not having shelter for the night. Think about what that was like before AAA. Of course, those of us who remember AAA know that, that we had that trusty travel book, didn't we? That had, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have it right there on our phones. But we had a list of phone numbers that gave us some information about if we needed to get a hotel or a motel in that particular town, we could find it. <laughs> I have one experience from, from my past when we were driving and we were really pushing it in the middle of the night and we were in a place where literally we kind of had to drive through the rest of the night because there were no motels. There were no inns. We were in that type of area in the western United States. And so we're so used to in our lives just, hey, there's always going to be a place to stay, right? Not always. And certainly, for most of human history, that's what uh, traveling meant. Think about what your travel guide means to you, uh, the different sections of your travel guide internationally. You learn about when to visit. There's climate issues, aren't there, right? There are some places in this world that are really nice some parts of the year. And in the other parts of the year, it might be really difficult to get around. Or you're there during the monsoon season, and maybe there's floods. And maybe you're going to be there during a, a tornado or, or, a, or a hurricane or something like that. You learn about where to stay and where the safe places are and what places to avoid. So in Ephesians chapter 4, The Apostle Paul is basically speaking about the travel team that Jesus is putting together that will help us to be able to journey without running into these dangers or without our journey being interrupted by tragedy. And the travel team consists of these folks in Ephesians 4.11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. These are roles in the church that, that Jesus gives to the church as gifts. They are people. Jesus gives gifts to the church who are people, and they have a particular role, and that role is to help the church journey on, journey on into their future, to be fully equipped. And it's not by coincidence, I think, that there are five essentials in the church. Proclamation and service and, and teaching and fellowship and worship. And there are also five gifts of grace that, that Jesus gives the church. People who are there to provide for that journey. The travel team. You have the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Now, in this interpretation of text, there's the primary interpretation through the years. And this is the interpretation from the established church. The church that kind of feels like, okay, the church has been established, and it will continue on forever. 
you know, like IBM as a company. <laughs> right, right. So, so the understanding or the interpretation of this text uh, in the church, including most of the Reformation theologians, is that the first three of these in the list— the apostles, the prophets, and evangelists, that the church needed those to get started. You know, the, the person writing this is the apostle Paul. He is a, an apostle. And so he has a particular role of spreading the, the gospel, spreading the news of Christ, starting new churches around the world. Um, but once those churches were started, then we don't really need that anymore. Um, we can focus on just doing what each one of those churches is meant to do. And then you get into the last two, which most of us know. We're familiar with these roles, pastor and teacher. Now, in recent years, there's been a recovery of a recognition that perhaps we have come to the wrong conclusion about that list of five. Because the apostle, the one who is sent by God to, to catalyze new expressions of the church of Jesus Christ in places where there are not expressions, and the prophets who help discern between, between the truth of the gospel and, and the wisdom of the world, and, and then evangelists, those who go out and share the good news of Jesus with those who've never even heard of Jesus, or who haven't had the opportunity to consider Jesus, that in the world today, where the church is, we need those roles. We need those people because the church is no longer in a place where it's established at the center of the culture, really anywhere. And that comes as a great surprise to a lot of us. And, and it might even offend some of us to learn that, but we know that. You know, you're, the, the, there was a day in which everyone in America practically went to church. And if you didn't go to church, you knew it, and your neighbors knew that you didn't go to church. And there were no things that were scheduled on Sunday. And there are still places, small nooks and crannies, hamlets in America, where that remains the same today, but not very many. So the, the challenges that churches have in this day and age, are very similar to the challenges the early church had. People just didn't go to church in the first century. They didn't even know who Jesus was, right? And that is starting to be more and more the case for us in our culture today. And so we have this renewed invitation to understand the roles of apostle and prophet and evangelist in addition to pastor and teacher. And some go so far to recognize that these are not just professional roles, but they are actually roles that God gives or offers to us and empowers by his Holy Spirit and asks regular Christians to do this work, to actually be a sent one, to be an apostle, to actually be someone who uses the prophetic gift of the Holy Spirit to be someone who actually participates in the sharing of the gospel with people who do not yet follow Jesus and also do the work of pastoring, which is really, there's not, we understand the word pastor as a role, and in the established church, we have an ordination process, and yes, I'm 
in that position here at this church, and I went through a gauntlet of, of uh, uh, meetings with our, the Committee on Preparation for Ministry in the Presbyterian Church, uh, and et cetera, et cetera, went to seminary. But the word for pastoring here is simply shepherding. It's the role of being a shepherd, shepherding others in faith. If you're a small group leader, you're doing that. We're doing that together. If you're a deacon, you're doing that. We're doing that together. And then think about those who teach. Those who teach Sunday school, those who teach adult education, those who might teach in their small groups. Teach women's Bible study, teach the men's Bible study group. Those are all teachers that our church needs. So Jesus provides people. And I want us to notice that, that Jesus gives those people as gifts to the church. Jesus provides. What these folks are meant to do is to equip the saints to equip God's people for the work of ministry. In verse 12, we find this written out. To equip, Christ has given these five gifts to the church, these people, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. If you want to know what makes a church grow, it's those five types of people equipping all of the people to be a part of the work of service in the church. That's how a church gets built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I want to encourage you to picture yourself as a fully equipped saint, ready to grow. Fully equipped and ready to grow. You know, in Spanish, the, the word related to equipped, it, it's got a, a deeper meaning and a better connection, I think, than English does. Because uh, the word for equipment and the word for team are the same word, equipo. So your team the really at the basic bottom line, your team and your teammates is the primary equipment that you work with. It's the human element. Ministry teams in the church equip servants. Who is equipping you to serve? And the answer to that are the ministry teams at your congregation. Elders are called to equip those ministry teams. Pastors are called to equip the leaders as well. One group equips another, equips another, and it is the expression of a team. If you are on a ministry team, who might you equip for ministry? The, team, the rhythm of the Christian life is very much like being a part of a sports team. We have practice, and we have games, and it's scheduled into our lives. It's 
you, you, it's part of your life. You know, some of the, the things that we lament about the, the fact that the church has been disestablished in, in relation to, say, soccer on Sunday morning, um, we might have a lot to learn from our culture in this. Think about the commitment that it takes to be on a soccer team. Think about how when you're on a soccer team, you have to be there in order to play. You have to be at the practices. You have to be at the games. And it's something where, yes, we do believe in the church that, that the work of the kingdom of God is more important than playing the game of soccer. But we can learn that from those practices what it takes for a church to go forward and to grow that it takes that kind of commitment to serve. And so my encouragement to us as a congregation is that we, is that we engage in the rhythm of regular practice and regular play. That we put it in our schedules. And I want to encourage those of us who, if you have a schedule and the church is not in that schedule in the middle of the week, God has called me to be your coach. And my role is to say, you need to come to practice. You really do. You really need to come to practice and be part of the team. There's, there's a role here for you. And we want to be on the field of play. There's a, there's a uniform for you. There's a number for you. There's training for you. There's equipment for you. You belong on that field. But we can't, and certainly I can't, make you be a player. I can make the invitation. We can make the invitation, but you've got to step up and come to practice. We practice in ministry teams. That's what we do. There are meetings that happen all over the church during the week. And there's ministry that happens during the week. And that is so important to the rhythm of the Christian life. Do you remember all of those, those mentions in the first, in that uh, Acts chapter 2 description of the early church where it talked about every day, day by day. Some, somehow, along the way, we got it in our minds, and this was the life of the, of the culturally established church, that being a Christian meant one day a week. One day a week. And you might say, well, Pastor Kurt, I'm really busy. Busy with What? Busy with what? Let's talk about that. And let's talk about the life that God has given us to live. Because there is a clash of cultures here. Because what we're talking about in the church are the words of eternal life. They are the things that will endure beyond us. Just as everything that we read in Scripture has endured beyond the, beyond the, the, the generation of those who were here. The church is still alive and well. Not everything that humans have committed themselves to through the years, in addition to the church, has survived as well. And of course, the church will survive into eternity. The church triumphant. To conclude, I want to, um, I want to just highlight what it means to be a church that is grateful for the people that Jesus provides. The classic work of art by Vincent van Gogh, Starry Night, 
vividly shows the stars in the sky, the swirls of light dotted throughout the sky. It, it makes us remember that all of the times that we have seen a starlit sky and seen the stars, the massive number of stars. And for Christians, the reference to the starry night gives us a kind of a clue into an image that was used thousands of years earlier before the writing of the New Testament. When God called Abraham to be the first one to step forward into God's covenant people, and God promised Abraham that there would be people coming after him and his wife, he pointed to the starry sky. And he said that, see all of the stars in the sky. Beyond that number will be your heirs, will be your descendants, will be the family in the covenant with me. The Apostle Paul uses the image of us as Christians shining like stars in the night as a way of speaking of our work of service to the Lord. That that's what we do when we serve, when we love, when we care. It's not a surprise, I think, that right there in the center of the, of this work of art, underneath this starry sky is a church. The church is where we shine our light. And then the light shines out from the church. We are stars. Not the kind of stars that we might think of in the world, those who demand praise and their own worship because of how great they, that they are, how great thou, they art. But stars nonetheless, stars who belong, stars whose point of light makes a difference, each and every one. No one more important than the other. You are a star. You are a star. You have a light to shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's what the church is all about. Each and every one having a role, this work of service, and then God bringing those who can equip us for the journey to equip us to shine. May we shine brightly as we trust Jesus to provide the people we need and picture ourselves as fully equipped, shining servants of the Lord. Amen.